Well, would you turn with me, please, to uh, Galatians chapter 4 in your Bibles? Whatever form your Bible takes, whether that be a hard copy like this or a mobile phone or a tablet or something. If you haven't got anything like that, you can follow along uh, on the screen behind me. We're just reading uh, a few verses from Galatians 4 this morning. As Isaac mentioned before, Galatians 4, verses 4 through to 7. The Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, writes these words. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord this morning, and we'll give thanks to him for that now as we pray. Father God, we um, come together this morning, Lord, recognising again that you are indeed the one true God, the living God that there is no other God and that you have revealed yourself to us so wonderfully and so perfectly through your son, the Lord Jesus. And also, Lord, you've given us your word. And uh, Lord, your word uh, tells us what you're like. Lord, it tells us what we're like and it tells us our condition and the, uh, the fact that we indeed need you in our lives. We need Jesus as our saviour. And Lord, it points us to the precious life that we can experience through faith in him. Lord, today we pray that this word will be uh, really applied to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us, uh, although we may have heard this, these words time and time again, may, you, may these words just strike us afresh in our hearts today. Lord, that we would be reminded again of your incredible love for us, of what an awesome and amazing God you are, What a precious gift your son is to us through his sacrifice and the fact that uh, we can be uh, assured of our place in your family through your indwelling Holy Spirit. So Lord, we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. End of last year, there was a movie came out uh, called All the Money in the World. Some of you might have seen that, but it was basically uh, based on a true story. And that story was about the 1973 kidnapping of uh, the grandson of it. At that stage, probably the richest or one of the the richest men in the whole world. His name was uh, a guy called John Paul Getty. He made his fortune through, uh, through oil. They reckon that uh, back in 1973, he was worth around about $1.2 billion, which was a lot of money back in, uh, in those days. And uh, as I said, his grandson had been kidnapped, and these kidnappers had demanded a ransom of $17 million. I don't know why they settled on that figure, but that was the figure that they had come up with in their minds. And uh, um, John Paul Getty's son, uh, the father of, 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 the, of the boy that was kidnapped, uh, it was a bit, of a, 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 um, a bit of a hopeless case at that stage and didn't have any kind of money. And so uh, his wife went to John Paul Getty and said, will you pay the ransom for, uh, for, the, for your grandson? And he refused. He said, no way. He said, I've got 14 other grandkids. If I pay the ransom for this one, then I'll have 14 other grandchildren uh, you know, um, abducted next week. 
Well, they continued to persist over a period of a number of weeks. You know, uh, would he pay the ransom? He refused. And in the end, the kidnappers lowered their demand to four million. And uh, John Paul Getty said that he would, uh, he would pay a quarter of it. And uh, this dragged on and on and on. Of course, they couldn't raise the rest of the money. And eventually, he, uh, he did pay that whole amount. But at that stage, his grandson had suffered terribly at the hands of his kidnappers, as you can well imagine. In our passage this morning, we read these words. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and born under the law to redeem those under the law, to ransom those who were under the law. As we come to Christmas, this baby whose birth we celebrate at this time of the year, we need to remember that this baby is no ordinary child, that he is indeed God in the flesh, and that he came into the world on a mission, a mission planned before the beginning of time in the Father's father's mind and in the Father's heart. And that mission was to redeem and to ransom mankind. That word redeem means to uh, to set something free, to to pay a ransom so that something can be freed from a a position of of slavery or bondage. Listen to Jesus' own words about his own ministry from Mark 10.45. It says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was Jesus' mission, to come and give his life as a ransom for many. And if you've got your uh, um, uh, sermon notes there this morning, you might have grabbed them as you came in, you might like to put this down as the main point this morning. It is this, Because of his great love for us, God sent his son Jesus to redeem us for himself. We've been uh, working through this series, this preaching series about the glory of Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ. And today we're focusing on the fact that he is the redeeming one, the one who came to ransom us. And that begs the question then, as we get into this message this morning, from what did we need ransoming or rescuing? And we find the answer to that phrase in the term from our passage this morning where it says that he was born under the law to redeem those who themselves were under the law. Jesus came to redeem us from the law. The law being spoken about here, of course, is God's law, summed up so succinctly in the Ten Commandments. And it says, the Bible tells us that each and every one of us are subject to the law of God, that we come under the authority of God because he is our creator. He is the one who has made all things. Everything owes its existence to God and therefore we come under his authority. And yet the Bible tells us that ourselves, that we have all broken God's law. The Bible calls that sin. And we are therefore subject to to judgment under that law that we are subject to judgment under god's law 
And it's the same as if, you know, as we're born, you know, we, we, it's the same as the land we live in today. We're born into, you know, the country where we live. For many of us, it's, it's Australia. For some of us, it's other countries. We're born into that land, and immediately when we're born, we come under the laws of that land. And if we break those laws, we expect to be, part, to be judged, and we expect to be punished. In a way, each and every one of us are slaves, if you like, to that law. We're not free to live as we please, and we're certainly not free to escape the judgment if we break that law. But there's another aspect to our slavery which the Bible talks about, and that is the fact that we sin because we are sinners by nature. We break God's law because we've got this inherent tendency within each and every one of us to rebel against God and to rebel against his ways and his laws. The Bible speaks about the fact we've got a corrupted sin nature that we were all born with and it's been passed on to us, it's been passed down to the whole human race right from the beginning of time, from, from the fall of Adam and Eve there in the garden. And you might ask, well, well, how can we know this? Well, the Bible says that we can know this in a couple of ways. The first is this. It says we're sinners by nature. The fact that we are sinners is that we all die. Our death points to the fact that we're all being corrupted by sin. Let me point you to, uh, to a couple of Bible verses today. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. It very, very clearly says that, that the result of sin is death. And in fact, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And the wages of sin. We expect to be paid a wage for something that we have done. And of course, the wage that we receive because of our sin is this death sentence. The second thing that points to the fact that we're all corrupted by sin is the fact that we all, in fact, actually sin. We are sinners from birth. You know, we've got a number of parents here with, uh, with children, and particularly with younger children. I'd like you to put your hand up if you actually had to take your child aside and explain to them how to be disobedient, how to be rebellious, how to be selfish, how to be angry. All those things. We don't have to do that, do we? because it is inherent in each and every one of us. We are all sinners from birth. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another verse in 1 John 1.8 says this, For if we, say, sorry, if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. None of us can claim the fact that we are sinless, that we do not sin. The Bible clearly says that if we say that we have no sin, we are in fact deceiving ourselves. Jesus in, in Mark's Gospel in chapter 7 verses 20 to 23 speaks about this sin and how it transpires and how it works out in our lives where he says this, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. So Jesus is saying this is actually something which comes from the very depths of our being. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, Jesus said, are evil things that come from within, and that is what defiles us. And so we see that sin is this power as well that we need re rescuing from, redeeming from, and we are in fact enslaved to sin. 
which leading to death, as we saw before. And there's nothing that, that any one of us can do to escape this power. There's nothing we can do to escape, to, to get out from underneath the, the law and its, uh, and its authority over us. There's nothing we can do to escape that, that very nature that, was in each, that is in each and every one of us, this sinful nature. Because we are corrupted at the very core of our being like a computer, if you like, is infected by a virus. You've got to wipe it all and start again. Now the law demands that lawbreakers or sinners, if you like, be punished. And that punishment is both a physical and spiritual or eternal death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And you might ask yourself the question, well, why can't God just, why can't God just say, well, I forgive you? Why can't God just wipe, you know, wipe this like clean? You know how, like, you know, we, we do some, sometimes we do things wrong at home and our mums or dads, or m- maybe not quite so our mums and dads, but our grandparents in particular, they'll sort of, you know, sort of put us on their knee and say, oh, it's okay, it's fine, you know? Why can't God be like that kind of grandfa- grandfather or grandmother type person? See, God is perfect. And God is perfect in his holiness. He's perfect in his justice. He's perfect in his righteousness. And so God's perfection demands that the Lord's got to be upheld. God must uphold the law. And of course, this results in us then being shut out from his presence forever. His, 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 his perfection, his, his holiness demands that we, we can't have that relationship with him. There's this barrier, this which is our sin. And of course, that shutting out is not just you know, now in this life, but it is forever and ever and ever and eternity. And Jesus speaks about that and he calls that a kind of eternity, an eternity of suffering and torment. I've spoken about this before. Jesus speaks about the fact that it'll be a place where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A place where it'll be absolute and utter despair and it'll go on forever and ever. I think that despair will come very much from the fact that we, you know, we would rather be with God and we would rather share in his kingdom and and all the blessings and goodness and and wonder and and joy of that, but, but we'll be shut out of that forever. And we can do nothing to change that situation. We can do nothing to change our circumstances. And this is why Jesus was sent. This is why God the Father sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and fix that situation, to come and redeem us. And so the next question we need to answer is this. How did Jesus pay then our ransom in order to redeem us? Bible tells us that through his death and resurrection Jesus paid the price to set us free from the law and from sin and from its power and effects as I said before because God is perfectly righteous and holy his he must judge and condemn sin and sinners but because he is also a God of perfect love he has provided the means by which our sins can be paid for and that we can therefore be forgiven and reconciled to God We'll speak about this a bit more on Christmas morning, that term reconcile, but that word reconcile means that there were, it implies that there is already a break in relationship because 
if there is no break in the relationship, there's no need for reconciliation. God redeemed us through sending his son Jesus to be our substitute. That Jesus himself willingly took upon himself our sin and he bore our shame and he bore our the, 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 right, the, the penalty that we were due for breaking God's law. He took that on himself and he allowed himself to suffer death on our, in, on our behalf. He bore the rightful punishment that our sins deserved. But because Jesus alone was sinless, death could not keep its hold upon him. And so he rose from the dead, triumphing over sin and death. And by admitting our need of a saviour, Jesus, and by accepting by faith his sacrifice on our behalf, we can receive forgiveness for our sins. That we can be reconciled to God and receive his indwelling Holy Spirit, who then gives us the ability to overcome sin's power in our day-to-day living. And to have that wonderful and confident assurance of knowing that we are indeed children of God. We've just sung about that this morning. Wouldn't you love to have that assurance of knowing without any question of a doubt that you are indeed a child of God today? That you are indeed the focus of God's love and of his mercy and of his grace and of his compassion and all of his kingdom blessings, they are yours by right today because of what Jesus has done for you? How would that change your life? How has that changed your life? We've heard from Bree this morning how it's changed her life. How has it changed yours? We are no longer slaves to sin, but instead, we are told, the Bible tells us we become instead servants of righteousness. We've been set free from the power of sin and death, and our, and our sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. We've been freed from our bondage to sin, and we are freed to serve the one who has redeemed us, and that is Jesus. We've become partakers in all of the amazing benefits of God and his eternal kingdom. And of course, that leads us then to our next question. Why was Jesus the only one who could pay our ransom? Why Jesus? Why did we need Jesus? Well, again, we learn that only someone who was sinless could fully, demeet, could fully meet the demands of the law and obey it perfectly. No other person could do that apart from God. No other person who has lived, apart from Jesus Christ, can claim that they've lived a sinless life. No other person could be that sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice, apart from Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus himself is God. We see that in verse 4 of our passage this morning where it says that God, God sent forth his Son points to the fact that Jesus existed before he was even born to Joseph and Mary there in that stable on Christmas night. Pastor Isaac spoke about this last week from John chapter 1 about the fact that Jesus is the pre-existent one, the one who existed before all time because he himself, he himself is God, part of the, the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed to be God, but Jesus also needed to be like us 
in order to represent us fully. And we see this in the next part of the verse where it says that he, God sent forth his son, but born of a woman and born under the law. See, God the Son took on our flesh. He took on our human condition and he experienced what it was like to be like us. He was, he was able to empathise with all the things that we as human beings face in our lives today. Temptation, rejection, fatigue, suffering, hardship, sadness, all of these things and more did Jesus come and experience and yet still live that perfect sinless life. Hebrews 4.15 tells us this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. It was absolutely essential that Jesus be like us in order to save us. He needed to identify completely with us in order to represent us in his sacrificial death and resurrection. But he also needed to be sinless. That was the only way that he could be our rightful and proper substitute, a sacrifice for our sins. I want to try and give us a bit of an example of that this morning. It's this. I know it's a bit of an imperfect one, but in a few weeks, uh, our family's heading off to, uh, to the US for a few weeks. And while we're there, like anyone, we'll need to charge our phones and our cameras and stuff like that. You know, when you go away, you want to be able to take all your charges and things like that. Well, the problem is, is that our Aussie plugs don't fit the US power sockets. And so we need to, you know, if we need to be able to connect them in, we're going to need something that, that, that's going to act as a, as, as a go-between between our products and the, and, and, the, and the power points in the US. And so we need to buy an adapter. We need an adapter that is on one end, can, it, can receive our, our Aussie plugs, but on the other side can be that which is plugged in to the US power system. And in a way, Jesus is like that adapter, if you like. He connects us with God... And so, you know, we cannot directly plug into God unless we go through Jesus. So there's an image for you to take away today. Here, Jesus is like a power adapter. But you get the point. Because Jesus fits so perfectly that the sinless one and, and, and the one who was fully man, who represented us fully, only he could pay for our sins and bring us, reconcile us to God. And you know, it would have been enough. It would have been enough for God just to rescue us from our slavery to sin, to rescue us from our slavery to death, to rescue us from, from being under the law, but, but he didn't stop there. Because having secured our freedom, God then brought us into his new family. And that answers the question, what then does, Jesus, what, what does having Jesus redeem us mean for us today? And it means this, that for those who recognise their need for Jesus and his sacrifice, for those who have chosen to believe in him and follow him, God has now adopted us into his family. He has made us his children and he has made us heirs with Christ to all of the blessings of his glorious eternal kingdom. And not only are we ourselves today who are followers of Jesus set apart 
as recipients of God's special favour now. But we also have that confident assurance of knowing that because God loves us, because God cares for us, because God provides for us, that he is working in our lives on a day-to-day basis to make us more like Jesus. But he's doing that because he's wanting to bring us right the way through to, to, to enter into his eternal kingdom forever and ever and ever. But folks, that choice to follow Jesus can only be made now can only be made in this life. We don't get a second chance when this life is over and none of us, none of us are assured tomorrow. In fact, none of us are assured the next minute or the next hour. And we need to make sure that that our eternal destiny is secure right now. And Jesus has said that I have made it possible and you can have that confident assurance if you come to me and trust in me as your saviour. He said, and for you, you will be one of my father's children. You will be an heir with me to all of the blessings, both now and forevermore. Folks, many people today see Christianity as a bondage. They see the Christian faith, they see following God as being like a bondage. You know, that that I don't get to choose. You know, I've got, to, I've got to do things God's way. When in reality, what they fail to see is that they're already under bondage. Each and every one of us, we're already under bondage. As we've seen, we're under bondage to the law, we're under bondage to sin, we're under, under bondage to the power of that, which leads to, to, to death and eternal death. And God wants to set us free from that. And he wants to set us free to come into his family and to enjoy the freedom that we can have in loving him and in serving him and in pointing others to the life that only he can offer us. He wants to give us the freedom to be our best self, to be like Jesus. You know, you hear it so often today that, you know, people are just on this quest to be their best selves. We cannot be our best selves without Jesus. Because Jesus is the image of our best self. That's whom God created us to be like. To be like Jesus. And it gives us the freedom to live for him, delighting in his ways and pointing others to the glorious life only he offers. So being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus folks, means that we have been brought at a price. If you put your hand up this morning as as a follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded today that Jesus, in order to secure that blessing for us, has bought us at a price. We had to be redeemed. A ransom had to be paid. And unlike John Paul Getty, who refused... And only after a lot of arm twisting was, was, was you know, eventually convinced to pay the ransom for his grandson. God was willing to give up everything. Not just a little bit of his fortune, but everything in order to save you. And in order to save me from our sin. That's how much God loves each and every one of us that he was willing to give up that which was most precious to him in his son. 
to come and die to pay your ransom, to redeem you. It cost the precious body and blood of our Saviour that we may no longer be slaves, but instead call ourselves children of God. And that is what we are. Amen? I'm going to come round our, uh, our communion table now and uh, I don't know whether we've actually organised uh, stewards this morning so if I can have eight, uh, eight fellows who normally would serve up here if they can just come and, uh, and take a place up here at the front. Don't be bashful, just come forward. It doesn't matter if we end up with nine or ten. A couple can go and sit back down again and think, whew. We're two days out from Christmas, as we've heard, two sleeps. We're all looking forward to um, the presents. We're all looking forward to the time of family. We're looking forward to the rest, perhaps the break. We're looking forward to holidays. We're looking forward to lots of things. The thing we should be celebrating most this Christmas is the fact that Jesus came to rescue us. He came to be our redeemer. He came to be your redeemer. And this table reminds us of that fact, the fact that it would cost him everything in order to do that. His body and his blood. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but Jesus, when he stepped out of heaven and became a baby, he took on a human body, or he took on that, 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 that body for eternity. having been one with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit there beforehand, having enjoyed all of the, 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 the uh, don't even know how to explain it, all of the, the incredible godness of being God, if you like, Jesus limited himself. And he limited himself to a body forever and ever and ever for us. He was willing to give up everything. That's what we should celebrate this Christmas. And that's what these elements remind us of this morning. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I invite you to, to, to partake of these elements and to praise God this morning. Praise God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise him for the fact that he loved you enough to come and die for you, to redeem you and rescue you. That he loved you enough to want to give you all of his great blessings both now and forevermore. I invite you to eat of that bread and do that and then hold the cup that we might drink together this morning in gratefulness together as part of the family of God celebrating his goodness to us.